My dear brethren and sisters in the Lord Jesus, Job, the book of Job now occupies our readings until the end of the year. And of course, it's a sad story of a good man suffering physically and mentally. And it goes on and gets worse and worse and worse, apparently. What can we learn from it by way of exhortation? Well, Job is one of four people in the scriptures who are called Yahweh's servant repeatedly. Uh, even Nebuchadnezzar gets meant he's called the, the servant of Yahweh once for the work that he did in overthrowing Jerusalem, but repeatedly called Yahweh's servant only applies to four people. Abraham. Moses, David, all marvellous examples to follow. Abraham, the friend of God. Moses, the great lawgiver, whom Christ was a prophet like unto. And David, the man after God's own heart. All in their way, patterns for Christ, all types of Christ in their way. Well, also to add to that list, we have Job and he's six times called the servant. And we've had it twice in our reading today. Verse eight, chapter one. And Yahweh said unto Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job? And then we get it again repeated in chapter two. And the Lord said unto Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job. Well, we want by way of exhortation to consider Yahweh's servant Job this morning and his sufferings. And in saying that, we're immediately reminded of another suffering servant that we read about in the book of Isaiah. And if we actually compare the suffering servant prophecies of Isaiah, and we know they apply to Christ very directly in some cases, we see an overwhelming and very striking parallel with Job's experience. And we want to look at that this morning. Hast thou considered my servant Job? Well, if we look at Isaiah, and I'm going to be flip-flopping between Isaiah and Job as we go through this morning. Isaiah 42, hast thou considered my servant Job? Well, we get a similar injunction in Isaiah 42, verse 1, behold my servant. It's not just a question, have you considered, but now it's an instruction to consider. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him and he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry nor lift up nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break and a smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. And we know that that, of course, is a type of Christ because it's quoted by the Gospel of Matthew with that in mind. Matthew chapter 12, verses 18 to 29. There's no doubt that the suffering servant there then 
is a prophecy of Christ. Well, the parallel with Job is, as we've said, overwhelming. Job, then, is also a type of Christ. You have heard of the patience of Job. Job bore with patient, long-suffering all that came upon him. Now, we come here and partake in symbol of the sufferings of Christ. I mean, the, the bread and the wine, that's partaking of the sufferings of Christ in symbol. But of course, what we do in symbol is what we actually have to do in our lives. We partake of the sufferings of Christ. Well, Job did that, so he's a good role model for us. Let's just look at this under some headings I've got here. He was an innocent sufferer. Job and the suffering servant. Let's look at um, uh, chapter 1, verse 8 again. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and eschewth evil? And his sufferings come upon him because of this Satan character. And we are persuaded that the Satan here is, in fact, a fellow worshipper. This whole business about presenting yourselves before the Lord is, is, the, is the language of worship. It's not talking about angels in heaven. It's talking about worship on earth. And the Satan was from amongst the worshippers. And that's a nasty lesson for us, isn't it? To think that we can be a Satan to our brethren and sisters in the way that Job had. But of course, Christ had exactly that, didn't he, in the form of Judas. Isaiah 53, verse 11. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Yes, he was a righteous servant and he bore the iniquities laid on him by others. Job was deemed smitten of God to a degree that horrified the onlooker. And we read about this in chapter 2 and verse 12. Let's just read that again. Job's friends had made an appointment to come and see him, to condole with him. And when they lifted up, verse 12, their eyes are far off and knew him not. They lifted up their voice and wept. They rent everyone his mantle and sprinkled dust upon their heads toward heaven. They were signs of mourning in, in, in those days. They couldn't recognize him. He was so disfigured by the disease that had come upon him. And we'll look at that disease in a moment. Well, let's look then at Isaiah 52, verse 14. We'll take it from verse 13. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. And this is the part which we want to look at. As many were astonished at thee, 
His visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. That's, of course, prophesying Christ in his sufferings. But Job, too, had suffered similarly, that they couldn't recognize him for who he was. Christ, of course, in his trial, was subject to spitting and mocking. And we find the same recorded of Job. Look at Job chapter 16 and verse 10. Take it from verse 9 then for connection. He teareth me with his wrath, who hateth me. He gnasheth upon me with his teeth. Mine enemy sharpeneth his eyes upon me. They have gaped upon me with their mouth. They have smitten me upon the cheek reproachfully. They have gathered themselves together against me. And if we look further at chapter 30. And verse 9, that's Job chapter 30 and verse 9. Take it from verse 8. They were children of fools, yea, children of base men. They were viler than the earth. And now I am their song, yea, I am their byword. They abhor me. They flee far, far from me and spare not to spit in my face. Suffering indeed, the physical suffering is one thing, but suffering inflicted of others is probably worse. The combination of the two completes the sorry tale. Compare this then with the prophecy of Christ's suffering, Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 6. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. The Lord God will help me. Therefore, I shall not be confounded. Therefore, have I set my face like a flint and I know that I shall not be ashamed. Compare that then with Matthew 27 verse 26. record of Christ's suffering. Then released he Barabbas unto them. When he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then their soldiers of the governor took Jesus in the common hall and gathered unto him a whole band of soldiers and they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe and When they plaited a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after they mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. 
the endurance then of Job mirrored that of Christ. Job was smitten by leprosy. There's not many translations actually translated as leprosy, but the description, the Hebrew words of description for Job's disease are the same words that are used to describe leprosy. Job chapter 2 and verse 7. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils. That is the boil of leprosy as described in Leviticus 13, 2 Kings 20, and also in Isaiah 38 and verse 21. But we want to have a look at Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is the last of the servant songs in actual fact. Verses 3, 4 and 8. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. That word grief, actually, in Young's literal translation, is translated as sicknesses. And again, it's the word used to describe leprosy. The leprosy, for example, of Hezekiah is described in that way. And verse 8, he was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And that word there is the strike of leprosy. Of course, Jesus, as far as we know, didn't literally have leprosy. Of course, he was smitten with sin and and leprosy, of course, is a parable for sin. It dwells in raw flesh and it renders one unclean and it separates one from God and all those sorts of things. But Job literally had leprosy, these boils of leprosy. It's not the leprosy which we know of today, but the, the boil of leprosy which they had. And that's why he was scraping himself to try and get rid of the pain of the of the disease. But through all this, of course, Job continued faithful right from the very beginning. Naked came out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What a wonderful set of words to keep before our eyes when we're undergoing hardship and trial and difficulty. because. It comes very hard to us when we suffer. And this is a reminder that it should also have the opposite effect when we're blessed by God. And we are, by and large, blessed by God most of the time. And only occasionally do we suffer. Job 13 and verse 18 Job has now been attacked by his um, fellow uh, comforters. Each one of them has had a go. 
And here Job answers them. Job 13 and verse 18. Behold now, I have ordered my cause. I know that I shall be justified. He was faithful. He, that, that's, that's a faith in God. It wasn't an arrogant boast. I know I'll be justified. No, 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 no. This was faith in God. I know that I will be justified. He was convinced of the truth. As also was the suffering servant. Isaiah 42 and verse 4. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth and the isles shall wait for his law. Judgment in the earth means justification. The isles shall, or the coastland shall wait for his law. Speaking, of course, of the time when Christ will return to the earth and set up his kingdom because that is the time when Job will be justified. Ultimately, although he had a, a, a approximate justification, didn't he, at the end of the book, but that's when Job will be justified. And God willing, dear brethren and sisters, so will we at that time. Now, Job, at the last, was restored to a double portion. Excuse me. We read about this in the final chapter of Job. Job 42 and verse 12. Right at the end there. Um, Actually, we'd do do better to go back a bit. Verse 10, really. And Yahweh turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, Yahweh gave Job twice as much as he had before. So we go down then to verse 12 and we see that the record, the catalogue there in verse 12 of what he had is actually twice what we read in chapter 1 this morning. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, not the 7,000 of chapter 1, and 6,000 camels, not the three of chapter 1, and a 1,000 yoke of oxen and a 1,000 she-asses. He had also seven sons and three daughters. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because that's actually, although the camels and the ass and the sheep were twice as much, he just gets the same number of sons and daughters. But think about that for a minute. In the kingdom... How many will he have? Because if they were as faithful as Job was, they will be raised, and so he will also have twice as many children. Wonderful thought, isn't it? He had twice the blessing that he started out with. Let's compare this then with the double portion of Isaiah. Now, the suffering servant in Isaiah is also Israel. 
it's uh, it's it's complicated, but we we but we 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 know this if we've done the suffering servant in our Bible classes and so on. But just bear with me; you'll see why I'm mentioning Israel now. Isaiah forty verse two and sixty one verse seven. Isaiah forty verse two. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So, Christ, the multitudinous Christ, of course, that is Israel. This is, this is the seed of Abraham, isn't it? The multitudinous Christ. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, unto thy seed, which is Christ. We know that, but we know that that also applies to Israel. And that's why we are Israel of the Spirit. And so all Israel will be saved. That's the double that comes here because of the suffering that's come upon Israel. Look also at chapter 61 and verse 7. Isaiah 61 and verse 7. For your shame ye shall have double, and for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore in their land they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto them. Why? What's the significance of this double? Well, it's it was the portion of the firstborn. Under the law, the firstborn son got a double portion. We, we, we know this in the, it's significant in the um, parable of the prodigal son, isn't it? The firstborn son was to have the double portion. Well, Israel is the firstborn. Christ is also the firstborn. And so the, the, the double portion comes in the same way. Hence the link between the suffering of Job and the suffering of Christ. It's to bring about this condition of the firstborn blessing. Job saw his seed and was blessed with a long life. Look at Job 42, verses 16 and 17. After this, Job lived an hundred and forty years and saw sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. So Job died being old and full of days. Yes, he saw his seed. Let's compare that then with Isaiah 53 and verse 10. Isaiah 53 and verse 10. This deals with more than just the seeing of the seed, as we'll appreciate. Yet it pleased Yahweh to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of Yahweh shall prosper in his hand. No doubt what that is referring to, as far as we 
our concern, dear brethren and sisters. And so as we come to contemplate the emblems and partake of them, and as we said, in symbol, partake of the sufferings of Christ, which we've been thinking about this morning, let's come to another feature, which actually we can very easily overread in Job, very easily. And it is this question of Job offering sacrifice to redeem others. Job 42, verses 8 and 9. I think perhaps to get the story, we ought to take it from verse 7. And it was so that after Yahweh had spoken these words unto Job, Yahweh said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, for ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job hath. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering, and my servant Job shall pray for you, and him will I accept. Yes, Yahweh would accept the prayer of the suffering servant on behalf of these three friends. For him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly. In that ye have not spoken of me the thing which is right, like my servant Job. So Eliphaz the Temanite, and Bildad the Shuhite, And Zophar the Niamathite went and did according as Yahweh commanded them. Yahweh also accepted Job. And so we, dear brethren and sisters, must bring our offering of repentance to the table this morning. Because we know that that suffering servant will do the right thing for each one of us. For him will God hear.